everybody doing? Miss Barbara, it's good to see you back with us this morning. And Ryan and Casey back from marital bliss. We enjoyed it at the wedding and happy for you guys. You look married. <laughs> we'll ask you again in seven years. <laughs> Not that I've hit seven years, so ask me too, but we're only a five. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna open this morning in prayer. Um, I, I do wanna, I'm, you know, awkward. am I too close to the camera here? But I want I want to be able to I'm back up a little bit. My folds in the way, Miss Barbara. Okay, all right. Uh, we're gonna open in prayer this morning. You know, I was thinking this week, and it's it's cool. I, I had no idea that we picked that hymn, um, but tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And we talked in class a lot this week about. The fact that there's a difference in faith and trust. There's a difference in faith and trust. Faith is believing in something that you can't see. Trust is placing your life and your your abilities and your resources into something and trusting that, that God is going to be there for you and provide for you. There's, there's a difference. It's a big difference. And so it's cool that song says, Tis so, tweet, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take Him at His word. And church, i got to be honest with you. I think that the church would look a lot different if we actually took him at his word. Amen? If we actually believe what Jesus says is true and live like it, I believe that we would look a lot different sometimes in our lives. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. We're going to open in prayer this morning, and uh, we're going to trust Jesus to be present with us this morning, to, to love on us. I want you to know um, that if you came in this morning, you felt like there was burdens you're carrying or there's anxieties or you didn't really know if as you're walking in, you know, I think sometimes even I have doubts in the area of, uh, Lord, you know, is this really my church family? Or do, do, do they love me? Is anybody mad at me? Is anybody uh, just think differently of me this week? And I, and I want you to know that when you came in, you came in for the Lord. And I want you to know that uh, I, I know you guys. I love you guys. And, uh, and, and I know that you love each other. And that if you're here this morning, know that you're loved. Lord, we thank you, God, for your great love for us. God, we thank you that you welcome us in these doors. God, we thank you that this place does not belong to any person here. God, it belongs to you. This is your house, Lord God. And we know that your presence is in this place. And so, God, I just thank you for this opportunity to come together and worship. Heavenly Father, I believe that it's important for us as the body of Christ, as the church, to come to you this morning in humility. Lord God, to come to you and say that we have fallen short, Lord God, even this week. God, we have, we have lived in a way that we didn't love you with our whole heart. We didn't love our neighbor as ourselves. God, we, didn't, uh, we had hindrances and burdens, God, from growing closer to you. And God, as we talk about eternity this morning, Lord God, I, I pray that you would help us. To, to live just in that in that tension that exists, Lord God, to know that we are forgiven, that we are children of God, but Lord, that you are also working us out. So God, we come to you in confession this morning. We take a few moments of silence to lay those burdens, those hindrances, that sin that we can't seem to shake, that addiction that we can't seem to break. God, we lay it before your cross this morning in silence. God, we thank you that there is absolutely nothing on our heart right now. Lord, no burden, no anxiety, no sin, no amount of brokenness that you cannot cover. Lord, we thank you that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that not by any merit of our own, not by any work of our own, but simply by uh, your Son, your Son Jesus Christ, that you sent to die on the cross for our sins, we are forgiven. Lord, we come before the cross this morning to accept your forgiveness. 
Turn to whoever's next to you and let them know in the name of Jesus Christ you are forgiven. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I hope you know that this morning. I hope you know God's deep, unending, abiding love for you. I hope that you not only place your faith in Him this morning, but you come to the altar to trust in Jesus. We're going to turn to His Word this morning, and, uh, and I pray that it will speak to us. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 34. Uh, we'll spend most of our time in Deuteronomy 34, so if you want to just turn straight there, that's okay. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 34, uh, verses 4 through 10. Lord, we pray over Your Word, God, that it would speak to us. God, I pray that every word out of my mouth that's not of You would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But God, that Your Word would reach its intended target. Help us to see, Lord God, this morning, uh, eternity. Lord God, to see the tension that exists between eternity and our flesh and our temporary moment right now. And help us, Lord God, to be made holy. Lord God, to, to be discipled and to disciple others. We love You and we thank You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to read it for you really quickly so you have the word in your heart. We'll read through it again. We'll go through it and study. Uh, but I want you to hear it fresh. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I will let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where the grave is. Verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about eternity. Funny topic, right? You know, if you've been in my office, you've seen there's a sign. There's one little wooden sign on my desk there, and it says simply, Eternity. Church, I believe this morning that something happens when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What begins to happen, whether you know it or not, there's a spiritual shift. There's a, a shift in your identity. There's a shift in your righteousness. There's a shift in how you, how you experience relationship. But I believe there's also a shift in how you understand time. Let me tell you what I mean. On the, the minute, whether you realize it or not, that you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, your time frame just immediately went from 90 to 100 years at most, if you're lucky, to eternity. And I believe that from the moment that you accept Christ to your death, you are working out how you live in light of eternity. There's a tension that exists where your flesh still speaks a little bit, where you see a moment and you think this moment is a, is a very big deal, but really at the, at the end of things, eternity is much larger than that moment that you're in. Let me tell you what I mean. A couple weeks ago, I was in Middletown, and I'm driving, and if you go through Middletown, there's a spot where it shrinks from two lanes to one lane. Terry, I'm, I'm sure you know exactly where I'm talking about, going out of Middletown, and, and uh, I want to 
note that what I'm about to say, Terry, I know you would never do this in your truck, but I'm driving through Middletown and I'm getting to the point where I'm in the right lane, the lane that's going to stay that lane, and another truck is coming beside me and it was a, a huge semi and they failed to come over when they should have and somehow, believe it or not, it was my fault. And so the guy started honking on his horn and blaring the horn and, and giving me a, a certain finger on his hand and screaming obscenities out the window and hanging out, shaking his fist. And, and what I mean is in that moment, I'm a child of God. So the truth is, in light of eternity, right, I think of Francis Chan and did, did an illustration where he pulls out of this bag a rope that seems to go on forever. And he says, this little mark I put, that's your life. And all this is eternity. And what I want to tell you is, in the moment, I was a child of God. I knew that I was going to have eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. That I, This moment where the guy's screaming at me really meant nothing. But it didn't stop me from living in that moment of tension where I was angry. And I wanted to holler back. And I wanted to, to not give him a certain finger. That would be terrible. But uh, I was mad. And in those moments, sometimes we, we are in them and we're like, you know what, I, I'm angry and it really doesn't matter that there's eternity in front of me. Right now, feels like a very, very big deal. Now church, I could give you all kinds of ways that eternity shapes our life and shapes how we live, but I'm only going to focus on two this morning that I believe we learned from Moses. Those two things are holiness and discipleship. Holiness and discipleship. What I mean by holiness is the degree to which we are like God in His righteousness. That we have a standard, and God is that standard, that we try our best to live in holiness to meet that standard. Now we fail, we're people, we're humans, we fail, but we desire to be more holy like God is holy. And what I mean by discipleship is the way that we not just share Jesus, that's evangelism, right? Where you are lost and I shared the gospel with you and you accept Jesus. That begins discipleship. But when I say discipleship, I mean you taking what God is teaching you and you investing that into someone else deeply in a way that transforms their life. So this morning what I want to talk to you about is eternity transforms you, if you allow it, and calls you to transform others with an eternal mindset. We're going to look at Moses this morning. We're going to begin in Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, verse 9. Now I want to tell you what's going on here. The Israelites are in the wilderness and they begin to complain. I say begin, but this is probably the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh time that they've complained at this point. But they begin to grow angry with Moses and Aaron and they're mad because they're thirsty. They're in the desert and they don't, have, they don't have water. And so they're complaining about water in this moment. And they're saying, Moses, why did you lead us out here just to die of thirst? And so Moses is, has people all at his throat, just angry with him, mad at him. He's trying to lead them the best that he can. And he goes to God with Aaron and he says, God, what do we do? And the Lord responds to Moses in this way. Moses, I want you to go to that rock. I want you to speak to the rock. And tell it to produce water, and it's going to produce water, and the, the Israelites are going to know that I am God. They're going to be reminded that I provide for them. So speak to the rock. Verse 9, we see Moses' response. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Now hear that. Must we bring you water out of this rock. Not God, must we, me and Aaron, bring you water out of this rock. 
Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Verse 12, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Now as we talk about holiness this morning, I want us to have a good understanding of what is happening with Moses here. Because when you first hear it, the first time I read it, I thought, God, that's kind of harsh. I mean, the dude hit the rock instead of speaking to it. Why, why does he get this promise taken away from him for that? I mean, think of how big of a deal this is. Last week in the morning service, we looked at Exodus 33. And we talked about how God had made three promises to the people of Israel, to His chosen people. Those promises were people. Your descendants are going to be as numerable as the sand, as the stars. Are going to be, you're going to have descendants that go on forever. Land, I'm going to send you to a promised land flowing with milk and honey and presents. I'm going to have a covenantal relationship with you as my people. And in Exodus 33, Moses has this realization. I, be, I believe he begins to see in light of eternity. And what Moses says, God says, I'm going to lead you to this land I've promised you. You're still going to get that. You're still going to have your people, but I'm not going with you. And Moses, I believe seeing in light of eternity, realized, I don't care about the land. I don't care about the people. If you're not going, I'm not going. All I want is you. And so these three promises have been made. So for God to say to Moses, I know what I promised you, but because of your disobedience, they're going to make it there. You're only going to see it. It's a big deal. And I want you to see this morning why God says to Moses over striking the rock instead of speaking to the rock, why God takes away this promise from Moses. Because of his disobedience. And I want you to know that it's not as simple as Moses just striking something he was supposed to speak to. The key this morning is in that question, the, the question he asked Israel. Moses says, listen you rebels, must we bring you water out of the rock? It's not that he struck it instead of speaking to it. It's that he put himself in God's place in his anger. In a temporary moment, he began to feel like his personal situation and feelings and anger and frustration was more important than giving glory to God. And so in that moment, rather than speaking what God said to speak so that all would know God brought water for the Israelites, Moses asked them, do you, what do we have to do it for you? As if Moses and Aaron are the ones doing what the Lord had been doing all this time. That's why he takes away this promise from Moses. And so church, I want us to see this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 34, the actual fulfillment of this consequence. It says, the Lord brought Moses to this mountain. The land that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 4. And he said to him, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your eyes. But you will not cross over into it. Church, I want to be honest with you. I have read this over and over and over again. And most times that I read it, it leaves me with a deep sadness. A deep sadness that Moses, this servant of God, this powerful man of faith, worked so hard to get the people out of Israel, to lead them in the wilderness. He put up with them all these years. He's done all these things for the Lord. And it used to be when I read this, I would grow so deeply sad that this man of God would not actually get to walk into this promised land he's worked so hard for. I want to change your view this morning. You all know, I've told you a thousand times, I was a horrible teenager. Awful. Like, however bad you're thinking, it was worse. 
And I want to clarify, I wasn't heavily into drugs or alcohol or anything. I was just bad. I was mean. Uh, I, was, I was an angry kid. Um, I thought more of myself than I actually was. I was and, and unfortunately, I was skateboarding, and I was getting paid to skateboard one time. And to me, I was like, I was hot stuff. And so I didn't accept my mom's obedience. I didn't accept my mom's authority. I didn't accept my, and my dad's, my mom. My mom is strict. If you met my mom, like, she's tough. And so my mom would have to discipline me a lot. I mean, to the point where she would put alarms on my windows and prevent me from going out to hang out with my friends. And I would sneak out. So she'd put alarms on my windows and, like, she would hang, like, bells on my door. So when I opened I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff to set boundaries in my life. And what I've learned is I look back and I, and I see Moses and I'm not sad anymore. Because check out this passage of Scripture in its entirety. God says, you're not going in there. You're going to see it, but you're not going to enter. I'm going to discipline you. And what I used to see as this punishment for Moses, this really sad event, I now see as God loving Moses. God is saying, listen, you know me. We're in relationship we're in relationship and I know that this is painful right now. I know that my discipline hurts you in this moment. It feels like the end of the world, but in light of eternity, my discipline is nothing but helpful to you. And you know what? I think Moses gets it. And church, I want to tell you this morning, I want to be brutally honest with you. I am praying for a church that gets this. For a church that recognizes that God's love is not just about lovey-dovey feelings and me accepting everything that you say. The love of God is about me realizing God is a holy God that wants to be in relationship with me and you and therefore must give us justice. That's love. Love is truth. And so when God says, Moses, you're going to see it, but you ain't going in, that's love. And if you want to ask me how I know, finish the passage. If it ended right there, but you will not cross over into it, that's sad, right? But let me finish this. And Moses, now this is after he's disciplined. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. The servant of the Lord. They buried him in Moab. To this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. So Moses didn't like get disciplined by God and the rest of his life was sad and he deteriorated. No, Moses was disciplined by God and he died peacefully. His eyes were strong. He had his strength. He went on from this temporary moment into eternity, still being known as the servant of God. And then it says that, Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with a spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. And so Moses, the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And since then, check this out, this is after the discipline. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Church, what I want you to hear this morning is that holiness mattered to God. He had to discipline Moses. And listen to me, you, whoever you are this morning, if you don't think you need holiness, if you don't think that God still has some transforming to do in your life, listen, you're not Moses. I'm not Moses. We, have, we don't hold a candle to this guy. But God disciplined him and in the same exact portion of Scripture talked about how well he was known by God, how great of a servant he was, that no one else like him has existed yet. 
up to Jesus. That's powerful. And church, I believe it needs to wake us up this morning to the fact that we need to seek holiness. And I believe that it's done by recognizing that we live in light of eternity. Look, this is not just a spell for you. This is not just like a one shot, you know, live your life YOLO. Like YOLO is, is no, makes no sense to God. You only live once. This mentality, my generation is terrible about it. It's like, you know what? I live once. It's my life. I'm going to do whatever I feel like I should do. I'm going to live however I feel like I should live. I'm going to keep whatever truth I believe to be true. I'm going to give it all I got for this one shot because soon I'm going to die and then I'm going to be no more. But church, what I want you to hear this morning is, listen to me, Jesus died for you to have eternity. Jesus died and his, in His resurrection, you have now been informed that those 90 to 100 years, if you're lucky, that's not a thing anymore. That, that yes, you are going to die, this physical body is going to die, but do you know how long eternity is? And that should change every decision that you make. That should make us thankful for the Lord's discipline because we know, you know what, I don't have to worry about, you know, I used to think when my mom was really mad at me, I remember one time we are in the car and I had like mouth off to her to an extreme, like I fully deserve this, I want to be clear, and my mom reached over to pop my mouth because I grew up like, you got a whooping if you were bad. And she went to pop my mouth and she was so hard with it that she missed and she hit me in my chest. And I might have been a little bit dramatic about this, but it was like hard and I was like, <laughs> I acted like it was the end of the world. And I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, like, this is bad. I've been disciplined and, and does my mom not love me anymore? Like, you know, is this it? Like, have I finally pushed her over the edge? And what I want you to hear is when we pursue holiness, if we see it in light of eternity, you see it in a manner that God's discipline, His transforming you is a beautiful thing because you never have to worry, oh no, does God not love me anymore? Amen? That's never a fear. It's like, you know what? Yes, God's disciplining me. He's calling me to, to change my life. He's calling me to transform, to be more like Jesus. But I don't ever have to worry. Look, it doesn't matter uh, what the temporary consequences are. I know that in Jesus Christ, I have eternity with God. And that is all that I need. Amen? Amen. That's it. I want you to hear me this morning. Look what Moses, what we see with Moses is, I, look, God has given you eternal life in Jesus Christ. Romans 8 tells us nothing, not heights, nor depths, nor powers, or principalities. Nothing can take away the love of Jesus Christ in your life. Nothing. But I do want you to hear, God is not rescuing you from the consequences of your actions today. God is not your magic genie that has freed you up to do whatever you want to do, where you will not pay consequences for the things that you do. God is calling us to a standard of holiness where, yes, we're going to mess up, but we recognize that what Jesus did doesn't just change our status in heaven, it changes our lives now. Every time that Jesus preaches his message or sends others out to preach about what he's about, it's always about the kingdom of God. John the Baptist said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God, it's a here and not yet thing. And we have to do our best to live in the here and not yet. To realize eternity started when you accepted Christ, but you're going to experience in a more realized way when Christ returns or you join Him in glory. But right now, we've got a job, church, and I'm calling us to this task this morning. We've got a job to pursue holiness now, to be as much like Christ as we can be until He returns. Amen? Amen. Moses was disciplined, but it did not negate in any way, shape, or form God's love for Moses. 
God is transforming you. And church, I believe that one of the most vital things we have to recover in Christianity is repentance and holiness. Recognizing God has a standard. He loves us. He loves everyone. But he also loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. He wants to transform us. And as we're being transformed, I want you to see what I believe is the most, the most uh, notable honor that Moses is given in this passage. It says several things. He spoke to God face to face. He was a servant of God. He did works, mighty works and wonders and deeds. But let me tell you what I think is the most important verse in this whole passage as far as what defined Moses. Because the thing about holiness is we begin to realize that our holiness does not come from us. That you are holy only to the extent that the Holy Spirit has worked out your life to correct you in areas. You are only as holy as God has made you holy. Does that make sense? And so, likewise, we begin to realize it was never about me. It was never about you. You know what we've talked about. This Bible, this word is not about you. It's about God. And we begin to realize that even the personal transformation in our lives is about God. It gives Him glory. And so likewise, when we look at Moses, verse 9, I think is the most powerful verse in this passage of Scripture because it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So Israel listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. This convicted me this week, y'all. I want to be honest with you. Because what I'm seeing is, Moses did mighty wonders. He led Israel out of Egypt. He was God's servant. He spoke to God face to face. But you know what I think is most powerful about Moses? The buck didn't stop with him. Moses wasn't just being transformed in his own life. Moses cared to have a successor, someone that he had invested in, because Moses knew that although I'm leading Israel out of Egypt, the story of God's redemption in humanity does not stop with me. It does not start with me. It's not even the most important chapter. And so it's vitally important. I take God's love and I invest it in someone else. It has been one of my biggest fears in ministry. I know me. I know my heart. I know my faults. I know my failures. I, I Feel the tension where the Holy Spirit is saying, look, you struggle with this. And one of my biggest fears has been that I'm going to I'm gonna preach up here and get all excited about Jesus every week and, and get you where you're going, oh, you know, that was a good sermon. I really like that, that kind of thing. Or I'm going to work with kids and I'm going to do backflips with them and all these crazy things. But at the end of the day, when I die, I've invested nothing that's going to be long term. And I know that's an irrational fear, but I think God has worked on my heart to a degree to say, yes, you need, you need to care about how well people are receiving it. You need to take them deeper. You need to invest in a way that you're not just getting them, getting them excited, but you're giving them the resources to carry on because it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about what God is doing in eternity. The most important thing I think that Moses did, if you want to be honest, is he laid hands on Joshua to say, I'm about to die, but you're going to carry God's work on. It was more important than Moses. It was more important than the Israelites that Moses said, I'm going to invest in you. Church, I believe that this message this morning, look, it's not, it's practical. I'm going to give you two things that you can do this week with this message that you could do immediately when you leave here. It may not be the most exciting or emotional, but I believe that if the church worked on these two things alone, it would change the dynamics of the church, especially in America. If we pursue holiness and invest, I mean deeply invest in discipleship. And if you want to know how it's done, listen, I believe with all my heart 
Both of these things are done by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may be saying to me right now, look, I've, I've struggled with things all my life. Uh, I, I see day to day. I am not a good long-term thinker. Um, I, I don't, I've, I've had addictions or habits or struggles I've had all my life. I can't break them. I've tried. I'm just going to deal with them. Christ loves me. Hear me. You're right. If you keep trying to do it on your own, to pursue holiness on your own, yeah, you're going to keep failing. You don't have the power. You don't have the power. Hear me. You do not have the power. But God promised you that he'd send your Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, to convict you, to transform you, to make you new. And, and I believe that it is entirely dependent, whether it happens or not, is dependent on you trusting the Holy Spirit to do this work in your life. Same way with discipleship. You may be saying to me, look, I have a very personal faith. I don't want to be crude with you or, or overly blunt, but I, I just want to make this clear. God didn't make you for personal faith. He loves you. He loves his relationship with you. He loves the intimate time. And it's vitally important that you have a personal faith, that you're working with it and you're alone with him. I think that some of the most powerful work God's going to do is when you're alone in your prayer closet. But God created you to be in community. God created you to do this together. And you may not think you can disciple someone else, but I want to promise you, you can disciple someone else. I met with a man in the park yesterday and, and uh, I went to, he's a homeless man that lives there and I went to pray for him and uh I thought, I'm going to help this guy, right? Ego, I'm going to help this guy. And several in the room were, were here with us when this happened, but I, I got up to him, and I started to ask, can I pray for you? And as I began to pray, something began to happen. I found out that this man I thought I was helping, he knew the word. And he began to teach me things. He began to disciple me, to invest in me. I was learning things by talking to this man and praying for him. This guy who's living in the park, and I, and I think there's something to this because I met with my friend Dwayne a little while after that, and Dwayne also lives in the park right now. And what I began to watch in Dwayne was this crazy powerful thing in these two areas. The first was this, where I had some timidity about going out and speaking to people. I think all of us did that were going out yesterday. There was some degree of like, what do they think about me? You know, what, how do I approach this? What if they don't like me? What if they reject me? Let me tell you how Dwayne approaches this. Honest to goodness. Dwayne goes up to anyone because Dwayne is not worried about what you think of him in the present moment. <clears throat> Dwayne is not worried about that. So Dwayne's going to come up to you and everyone we pass. Can we pray for you? Can we pray for you? Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning, man. Hey, we're going around praying for you. Can we pray for you? And I'm like, a little part of me is kind of going, she doesn't like she wants to be prayed for. But Dwayne had this ability to, to and not only go to them, but I listened to his narrative, what he's saying to them. And he began to say every person after person, he was upfront about abuse he experienced in the past. And he was upfront about alcohol addictions that he had. He just shared it with anybody. He didn't care because he wasn't worried about what you thought of him in that moment. He was worried about the bigger picture. And church, I believe that should be us too. And I believe because Dwayne didn't know where he was going to sleep that night, didn't know what he was going to eat for each meal. He had the ability to see eternity. And I watched him. He took me to the Driftwood Motel and he said, we're going to pray for this lady that has cancer. And we walked through the Driftwood Motel and, and Dwayne, person after person, is sharing his own testimony and how God is fixing him and working on him. And listen, he's not fixed yet, neither am I, but he's telling him, God's working on me. He can work on you too. Dwayne is in front of my eyes pursuing holiness because he's not worried about what people think of him from moment to moment. And he's literally going through the whole motel door to door asking if we can pray for them. The lady, the lady we're supposed to pray for, we never even got to meet her. But Dwayne is at every door 
sharing how God is transforming him and offering them transformation. That's powerful. That is so powerful. And I began to learn from someone that I thought I was trying to teach. But it's as simple as deciding, you know what? I'm going to humble myself before God and know his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And what he is asking me to enter into is so much greater than this present moment. And I don't know about you, but at the end of my days, I want God to speak of me the way he spoke of Moses. That man was my servant. He met with me face to face. He invested in someone else. I had to fix him a few times. I had to grow him to be more like me. It was a process that never ended, but now it continues in eternity. That should be the message that God speaks into each of our hearts, I pray. I want to close with offering you two very practical things you can do this week in these areas. Now listen, eternity, and we, we could talk about eternity every week and, and talk about something different that changes in light of eternity. But in these two areas, I'm going to offer you two things this week you could do. The first is this. John Wesley had something he called a band meeting. You don't have to call it a band meeting if you don't want. You don't have to do it the exact same way, but I believe it's a powerful tool for transformation. It was all about accountability, and it was this simple. At least once a week, three to five people in a band meeting, they were the same gender. They were also the same marital status. So single women, single men, married men, married women. And there was a reason because what you would do in this group, three to five people would meet once a week and you would ask very simple questions. How have you sinned this week? How have you been tempted? How are you fixing those things? Did you spend time in the word? Difficult, tough questions, but what it began to do is it began to teach, it matters to me, your friend, your brother, your sister in Christ, it matters to me how you are accountable to God, and I'm going to help you with it. It's called a band meeting. You could start it tomorrow. Just grab two other people even and say, look, we're going to meet once a week. We're going to ask each other these questions, and we're going to take them serious. I've read journals of, of men in history that have journaled about how this went for them, and they literally write in there, I stopped doing this. Initially, I stopped because I knew that on Tuesday morning, I was going to have to admit that I did this to my brothers. Now, granted, like you want to transform because of God, right? But, but God uses people in your life to say, like, I don't want to do that because I know I'm going to meet with Greg on Tuesday morning and I am terrified to tell him about that. It transforms your life. The second practical thing I'm going to give you is this, and we're going to close in prayer and prepare for more worship. The second thing is this. Jesus had 12 folks. And if you, if you speak to some people, they actually say it was 16, 17. I don't know where I stand on that, but I do think there's value in noting that there were women that followed Jesus everywhere, that were vital to his ministry, that were close friends of Jesus. 12 to 15 people, 16 people every day. But in that circle even, they were his disciples. In that circle, he had three. Three that he invested in more deeply than the others, that he spent more time with than the others. Not because they were more special necessarily, but because God had, Jesus had chosen them to invest in them deeply. All right, Captain America. He was investing in these three deeply. I'm going to challenge you simply with this. Consider a band meeting and consider choosing three people in your life this week that you consciously are pouring into. And if you don't think you're ready for that, hear me out. Remember what I just told you about my brother, Dwayne. Him and I meet for discipleship. When, when I meet with him, I consider in my mind it is a discipleship opportunity. I try to invest in him. But I want to tell you straight up, as the, the pastor of this church, Dwayne is also discipling me. 
You are not unqualified to disciple someone else. Choose three people that you're going to consciously say, I'm going to meet with them every week. I'm going to pour into their lives in a deep and meaningful way. Amen. I'm about to close with some prayer, and I want to offer this morning. Maybe you hear about eternity, and you just can't grasp it. I had a, a, a man that came to the sower on Sunday nights, and he came every week, and he came faithfully, and he worshiped with us, and, and he enjoyed it. He told me he enjoyed it, but about like five or six months in of him being there, he came to me one night, and he said, Rudy, I, I don't have assurance. I'm here. I hear the word. I hear about Jesus, but... I don't know if I'm actually saved. I don't, I don't know if I really, really believe in him enough to, to be saved. So I want you to hear, look, if you can't grasp eternity yet, I want you to have that chance this morning. And I want you to know, I believe the key, and what I told him that day is, I believe the key to understanding this is to know that it's not about you. It's 100% about what Jesus has already done for you, and you simply choose to accept it or not. By faith alone. You can have assurance of salvation. I'm going to pray, and if that's you today, I want to offer you, I'm going to, I'm going to begin by praying uh, for salvation. And if you want to pray that with me, I'm going to ask one thing. Pray it with me, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, but I'm going to ask something very specific. If you pray it with me, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front. I think those things are, are valuable in certain contexts. I'm going to ask one simple thing. Let me know so that we can give you resources, plug you in, so that you can grow in discipleship. Lord, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. Lord, I thank you for your servant Moses. And God, I, I am encouraged this morning, and I pray that we all are, Lord, that we can look at the heroes of the faith and see that they messed up, that they weren't perfect. But Lord, you love them through it. So God, we come to you this morning seeking holiness. God, I believe that it begins with, with this prayer. Lord, I am a broken sinner in need of salvation. Lord, there are all kinds of ways I can try to achieve this on my own, but I recognize they all will fail. So God, I place my faith this morning in the truth that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins, to pay the punishment that I was owed. Lord, that you rose him from the grave on the third day so that I can know today that by placing my faith in Jesus, you have defeated sin and death forevermore. God, we thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that no matter where each person is in the room this morning, in their faith, in their journey, in their life, that your Holy Spirit is working with them individually. Because, Lord, it, it is a personal faith, but God, also in community. God, that you're drawing us together. God, that you're working, you're binding us, Lord God, together. In addition to speaking to us each individually. God, we thank you. We give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise this morning. Lord, we thank you for the testimony that you've given each of us. We praise your holy and precious name. God, thank you for allowing us to worship you. As we continue in worship this morning, God, I pray every distraction be removed. And we would just be in your presence and enjoy your great love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.